Hi, Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone here. When will you understand that I am a person and not a thing? Look it up. Do something else. Do my eyebrows. Better to say, am I being true to myself? And is this what I want to say? And have I expressed myself the way I want to express myself? I mean, that's what it's all about. Hi, this is Carrie Ann Inaba, and you're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast. Hey guys, it's Tony, and did you know that aloha means hello and goodbye? Oh, yes. And hey, everybody, this is Stefan. <laughs> Welcome to the season three finale of MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. So today <laughs> is a big, big show. I, I couldn't think of anyone better to join us for our season three finale today other than today's guest. So I'm super excited to be able to say this. Today on the show, we are joined by none other then Carrie Ann Inaba. Wow. Aloha, uh, Carrie Ann. Aloha, you guys. Thank you so much for having me, Tony, Stefan. So nice uh, to meet you both. So great to meet you. We're so excited to have you on. So get ready for the question. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little ready. Uh, I'm a little. I'm a little caffeinated, and I was like, "Don't have caffeine before you talk to Carrie Ann, because you're just gonna be talking a mile a minute." So I love it. Let's do a mile a minute. <laughs> so Carrie Ann, how's it going in LA? I'm assuming that's where you're calling from, correct? I am indeed calling from LA and the weather is beautiful. We've had a weird season. It's been like hot and cold, hot and cold, but today is absolutely LA weather and the reason why we all moved here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I know you're a busy woman, so we're not going to take up too much time doing this, but Tony, do you want to give Carrie a little introduction to our audience? A proper introduction, Ooh. indeed. Why, Even though you. her reputation precedes her, here's a small overview of Carrie Ann's career so far. She's a dancer, choreographer, philanthropist, Emmy-nominated talk show host who is also recognized for her 30-season run as a judge <laughs> on ABC's Emmy Award-winning Dancing with the Stars. She started out her career as a singer in Japan, introduced herself to American audiences as one of the original Fly Girls on the sketch comedy series in Living Color on Fox. Madonna fans will know her from touring with Madonna in the iconic Girly Show. Carrie Ann was also co-host and moderator on the Emmy Award-winning daytime talk show The Talk, and she recently started Carrie Ann Conversations, which is an online wellness magazine that aims to help readers and viewers live a happier, healthier, and more evolved life. Welcome, Carrie Ann. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I don't know, Tony, let's just get started. Yeah. Uh, We have a lot of questions for you, Carrie Ann, so. I'm ready. (laughs) Before we we go down the girly show road, uh, let's start at the beginning of your career. I'm dying to find out some highlights and lowlights of what it's like to go to work and train in Japan to be a pop artist as a teenager. like <laughs> It's a surreal <laughs> experience, okay, to say the least. Um, you know what was interesting about when I went to Japan was I was 18, just scouted right out of high school. They, they used to come to Hawaii and look for girls to kind of scout, and they would take them to Japan and kind of repackage them and then distribute them. You know, like what branding is now all across Indeed. the United States, that's what they've been doing for years. I was 18, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, it was amazing, though, because they, they taught me that the business is a business. And I think I'm, I'm very fortunate because I never had high expectations of sort of like, I, I know the difference between when it's time for artistry mm-hmm. and when it's time to do business, which is meeting yeah. people's needs, right? And an exchange of energy. And artistry is really more self-expression, right? And it doesn't matter about the business side of it. And so mm-hmm. I think it was in some ways very powerful for me, but also heartbreaking because I thought I was going there and they were going to develop my skills, but they were like, no, no, just sing. Oh, you're a little off key. We'll just pitch correct. I'm like, no, I want to get it right. And it was hard on me. So I actually left after two years 
I decided, you know what, this isn't for me. And I walked into the office of Virgin Records and I was like, hey guys, I, I'm this is so clueless. Like you're young and you're clueless, right? I'm like, yeah. hey guys, I'm not really happy. So I think I'm going to go home. And I think they were just dumbfounded that I did that. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, great. So I got out of my contract and I went back to the United States and I lived in Southern California and I started studying choreography. So I just before we go back to what it was like in, in California when you got back. So what was the output like? Like what kind of music that they have you, like was it pop music? Was it like that like early, you know, like, early hip-hop that was, you know, hybrid of dance music? Gosh, I wish it was early hip-hop. <laughs> I mean, it was super poppy-doppy-dop-dop-dop. Dop, dop. <laughs> it was like poppy-choppy-poppy-poppy-pop. And um, one of the songs was actually produced by Kenny Loggins and oh, wow. his team. Oh, so nice. it was kind of cool. I, I actually learned a lot about music from his team. It was an mm-hmm. honor to work with some of those musicians. His studio musicians are like big names and it was, it was an honor. So it was, it was cool. So once you're back in the United States, you began yes. working with um, Alex Magno, who was a friend of the podcast and former guest. What brought you two close together as collaborators? He's got amazing things to say about you and your work. Okay. Alex is my soul brother. We used <laughs> oh. to date. We, we went out together for a long time. Oh. He was like one of the loves of my life. Yeah, one of the true loves of my life. And oh. he was, he's a very special, artistic, talented man. And we met right after I moved back to L.A., and, or California, and I was driving up to L.A. to take dance classes. He used to teach at a studio called Debbie Reynolds. And mm-hmm. any, any dancer knows that old school studio. Sadly, it's no longer. Uh. Um, but Alex was just, like, I used to choreograph before I met Alex. But when I met Alex, I kind of stepped back from choreographing because I realized his work was so profound and it met my, like, spiritual creative needs. Mm-hmm. So I just studied with him for years and years. And I was, like, his assistant. And then there's a great story about how we ended up, how he ended up on Madonna's tour. Yeah, he, when we had him on the show last season, he sort of went into how he came to be on Girly Show. And he mm-hmm. mentioned that you and Luca Tomasini and, and Sebastian, Sebastian Lacaz all sort of helped workshop a number uh, that ended up getting him the job. Oh, there's more to the story. Oh, please. Oh, please. Feel free. Yeah. Are you ready? That's the thing. We, we speak to all these different people and they sort of like, they give their version of the story. Yeah. And then it's a fun to sort of like yeah. have it come around and hear other people. It's like a views. Madonna Rashomon. <laughs> okay. So this is the best place. I can't wait to share the story with you. Okay. So at the time I was assisting Alex and I was in all his like videos. You know how we always take class mm-hmm. and we're videotaping ourselves. So I was all over his videos. Um, and then I guess... I was doing, I was working on something, another project. And he said, he was in Japan. He's like, can you submit my reel for me? Right. So I said, yeah. So I submitted his reel to be a choreographer for Madonna's tour. And, um, I was all over the reel. And so that's how I got the job because uh, Christopher Ciccone saw me and was like, we want you. Unfortunately, we don't want this choreographer. We don't want Alex, but we want you. And I was like, um, no. And they were having auditions in New York. And so I was like, um, and they're like, we we will fly you out to New York. We want to see you. And I was like, I mean, this is a dream come true, right? So I'm like, oh my God, but Alex is in Japan and I can't get in touch with him. And I can't do that to a friend. So I told them, I'm sorry, I can't go because I wasn't representing myself. I was representing my friend Alex. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want him, I don't feel right coming. Like that's just wrong. That's bad karma. So I was like, no heartbroken. I can't believe I just said no. And so (laughs) I'd be totally heartbroken. So then 
fortunately, they decided after they did their auditions in New York that they would come to L.A., and mm-hmm. so he said, we're coming to L.A. Will you come? And by then I had had a chance to get in touch with Alex. It's not like now where we can just talk to anybody at any time. Right. Right. With WhatsApp. We didn't have WhatsApp back then. So Alex was like, no, please go do the job. Go, go, go audition. And I was like, OK. So I went and I auditioned and, you know, they asked if we would shave our heads. And I said, yes, of uh-huh. course, I will shave my head for you, whatever you want. And <laughs> the audition process was amazing. And I got the job. Now, then cut to. We're doing the show, we're, we're rehearsing, or we're actually just in rehearsals, a grueling process. We rehearsed longer than we were on tour for this show. <laughs> and that's amazing. That's what I love about Madonna. And um, the choreographer that they had used, they were looking for something a little different. And they were asking us all, you know, who do you think? What do you think? And I, I remember I went to Madonna. I said, please hire Alex. Like, he's mm. so right for this job. Like, there is nobody better for this job. And I said, if you don't like him, you can fire me. Wow. Yeah, because I believe I just believed it on the line. I did. I was like, please hire him. Like, please. He's so perfect for what you're looking for, what you didn't get from the choreographer before, who Mm. is brilliant in his own right. It just wasn't matching up. You know, it's just, is it a fit or not? Right. And um, Keith Young wasn't giving them what they wanted. And I said, Mm -hmm. please, please. I begged her and she, she gave him a chance and it worked out. And then I got yeah. to, it was so much fun because then we got to workshop a number for her and I got to be Madonna and that was uh-huh. the best, the best moment in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, so not only did you have to shave your hair for that, but you yes. also had to be topless. What was your reaction when Madonna said you had to be topless? Yes, Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> what else, Madonna? <laughs> That's what you say to Madonna, right? So I'm a young dancer, uh, finally having the opportunity to work with her idol, I was mm-hmm. like, whatever you want. I kind of loved the idea of doing topless because as an Asian woman, it's sort of an unexpected mm-hmm. role for mm-hmm. an Asian woman mm-hmm. to play. And I thought I love breaking down boundaries and I love down, breaking down stereotypes. Sure. And I think shaving my head and being topless was part of what makes that job still to this day my favorite job. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing you come down the pole and thinking, oh, so it's like this now. Okay, <laughs> let, let's, let's do it, you know? I, so did Madonna and Christopher Ciccone have like a mission statement for the dancers and the crew about what the show was, what the theme of the show was yes. and, and where you guys were going with it? Yes, the theme was androgyny, mm-hmm. right? Where we were breaking down boundaries like one is not separate from the other we are all Mm -hmm. one and I just I believe in that message so much in so many ways I mean race gender all of it we're all one people every one of us is completely their own person and very different from the next person yet we are all the same right Mm -hmm. and so whether we're talking about gender or race or anything that separates us this is what I love so much about the message of the girly show we are all one Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I love that everything that a female dancer did, a male dancer would also do, and vice That's versa. Right. There was no, de- no designation. Well, no. except with the, well, I have to correct myself. Carlton and MG Gong and Fever. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that was decidedly um, masculine, but uh, yeah, but than- you know. But even then, like, we all played each other's roles, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, at the beginning of the number, I'm riding on top of Michael, right? And mm-hmm. then Michael's riding on top of 
Carlton later in the same number, right? And that's yep. kind of the beauty is we all shaved our heads for that reason so that you couldn't differentiate. You wouldn't dis- be distracted by what is normally mm-hmm. considered gender ideals, yeah. right? Old, outdated ideals. So you, as everyone knows, you opened the show by descending probably one of the longest stripper poles we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, we've heard some of the other guys from the show talk about your champion athleticism. Yeah, Carlton um, is still shook. Yeah, they, they were like, I don't know how Carrie Ann did that every night, but tell us about the training for that epic pole dance entrance oh because God. we were told that when the shows were outside stadiums that sometimes it was like super freezing cold. Yes, I mean, yeah. Okay, the, the coming down in a G-string, the 55-foot pole was a feat. And I actually had to train with circus trainers. So our rehearsals would start at nine. And I know you know this, that if you're a minute late, it's a hundred dollars, right? That's Madonna. Uh-huh. She's like, we're not going to be late. So we would start right at nine, but I was at the circus trainer's yard at five in the morning oh, before wow. rehearsals, learning how to do pole work. So I had to learn how to do aerial stunts. Mm-hmm. Right, how to fall, all that stuff, and build up the upper body strength. And then I also worked with a stripper from a club called Deja Vu, which is like one of the most well-known stripper clubs in the world. And, you know, I did this well before Jennifer Lopez did it uh-huh. <laughs> in Hustlers. I was doing pole work way before Jennifer Lopez. And it was so amazing. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, ever, ever, ever done. And then I fell. I don't know if you guys know, but in rehearsals, no. I fell. I felt so... I was wearing a, um, a safety attached mm. to my thong. So that's going to be a big witch, witchy. If I, I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I always to... wondered that about that. Yeah. I was like, what's that going to do? Exactly. Thank you. I'm like, um, who thought this through? Cause this is not really so smart. I'm going to have some long legs if I fall. But before I had the um, safety, I actually slipped on the pole. Thankfully I was, um, Oh no, I actually had this. It was the day I got the safety. Mm-hmm. I slipped upside down and this, the safety slipped through my shoulder and cut me open. And so I had to take a few days off. And it was interesting because when I did take the time off, they were like, oh, you just take your time. You're going to be, you know, we're going to save your spot for you. And then someone called me from rehearsal, my dear friend, and told (laughs) me that somebody else was getting on the pole Uh trying to take my spot, which is okay. You can't blame anybody because that's how, you know, we're all dancers struggling, right? So Somebody was trying to take my spot and I was like, I'm coming back in. So I came back the next day and I was like, nope, I will work through this. And to this day, I still have pain, <laughs> but oh, it's okay. No. It's worth it. It's worth it. It was well, awesome. Uh, so I'm curious, other than your your pole dance entrance, do, do you have any favorite numbers that you were always looking forward to perform every night at the girly show? You know, I love the encores. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I love the encores. I love doing the My Fair Lady kind of look um justify my love yeah Yeah, justify my love and that was so awesome because we got to actually try on the original outfits from the film they brought them in these containers yeah they brought them in these containers it was like it just felt like I don't know that moment I remember you could smell old Hollywood in the Mm. rehearsal studio and the pieces were kind of falling apart and then Dolce Gabbana they they remade them for us Uh right because they they did the styling for the show right and um it was just such an, I don't know what, it just felt like, wow, this is what real stars do. And mm-hmm. so that was magical. And then, of course, she puts the spin on it because we had a little orgy in the middle. But sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like Bye Bye Baby, of course, because that yeah. was me oh, yeah. and Madonna. Yeah, yeah. And that was sort of, I have to tell you, that that number kind of epitomized our relationship 
on the road together. We have a love-hate relationship. In my poster at the end, she called me the, th- she said, I love you, my thorn in my side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I-, I wanted to ask you, Carrie Ann, uh, just ab- about Bye Bye Baby. So yes. that-, that was first performed for the MTV Video Music Awards. Mm-hmm. So tell us what that was like to premiere, you know, this set piece from the girly show uh, to a global audience. And also what was the reaction that you got to people that knew that you were going to go on tour with Madonna and be like, wow, that's, that's what you're doing. Uh, dream come true moments. Those are those yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. I remember the lights came up. We were sitting in the back and the lights came up on us and it was, you know, the girly show never performed in Los Angeles. We never came to Los Angeles. So I never right. got to pr- really perform ever again for my friends or my colleagues. So that moment performing at the MTV awards was a big moment because it felt like I have arrived as a, as a performer mm-hmm. amongst my peers. Like I saw people in the audience that I knew it was just, it was so exciting. I'm forever grateful to Madonna for giving us all that opportunity to perform at the MTV music awards. And yeah. And it's there forever. Like it's, you know, yeah, it's recorded yeah. on film and that's so awesome. I wish I had longer hair, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So as you know, we've, we've, we've spoken to Alex Magno and yes. uh, Luca Tomasini and, you know, Michael Gong. And tell us, was there like a tribal aspect to the dance troupe in the girly show? Because you guys looked like you had been dancing together forever, you know? Well, you know what? There was a lot of us that had been dancing together forever. We mm-hmm. had done some work with Alex. Alex and I used to have a dance company. We all danced together in the Persona Dance Company. Mm-hmm. And um, Luca yeah. and Sebastian, right? Mm-hmm. Michael... Less so, but once we all came together, like Michael and I felt like brother and sister immediately. He just mm-hmm. felt special. And Angela, I had known because, um, I just, how did I know Angela? You know, the dance world in LA is not that large back yeah. then because there weren't that many great studios, right? So you took the, if you took Alex's class, there was a certain tribe of us. We yeah, were the tribe that wasn't so interested in commerciality. We were more interested in like the primal aspect of dancing and like releasing Alex really choreographed for your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it wasn't about steps as much as it was like releasing the passion and all of that. And I think that's what made, that's what made the girly show. I think very, very special with, along with Christopher Ciccone's amazing directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that even, even then, you know, as a teenager seeing the girly show, um, what really, one of the reasons I love Madonna so much too is that she presented diversity in a way that no one had at that time and also mm-hmm. without calling attention to it. You know, it's like, well, here's, here's what the world looks like, but I'm not going to tell you, you know, that about it because you're right. supposed to already right, know, right, you know? Right. So you were inducted into the Asian Hall of Fame for being a trailblazing AAPI member. How did it feel to have that kind of diversity and representation on the girly show? especially during a time when it wasn't really happening anywhere else, you know? Well, first of all, I love that you say that. I love that you noticed that. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, because if I am cast, that means somebody is being inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, right? So most of my career, like my fly girl days also, which was before Madonna, Mm -hmm. that was a multicultural cast, right? It was very diverse. And the whole show in Living Color was diverse, right? And I never thought anything of it because that was like my introduction. And so mm-hmm. when I did Madonna's tour with at the time, I don't even think I noticed that we were kind of being um, inclusive ahead of its time mm-hmm. because 
I just come from that. And I think that way, right? Yeah. I come from Hawaii where I'm not a minority. So I, I've never had right. to really face that in that way. And so right. it wasn't until way after that I could look back at Madonna's girly show and go, wow, there was so much happening there about mm -hmm. her statements about the world, you know, and mm -hmm. she, we never brought it up. It wasn't a point in, in rehearsals to, to exactly. be inclusive. We just were. And that's, yeah. that's what Madonna is because she knows what's going on in the world, right? Mm -hmm. She always knows what's going on in the world. And she, she always has something to say about it. Sometimes yeah. it's in your face <laughs> and sometimes it's, it's a little more subtle. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think it's changed? I mean, we still have a long way to go. But how do you yes. think it's changed uh, since you began your career in the late 80s? Um, I'm happy to see more people who look like me. You know, yeah. I know that as I was starting and going through my career, I was one of the few Asians on mm. TV doing something other than maybe acting, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of setting my path in other realms. And that's how we solve the problem of, inclusi in of inclusivity in television mm. is we show people in real life that there's many people of all different cultures, all different backgrounds, doing many different things, and they do it slightly differently. So yeah. it's about telling our stories. So that's why, like, your podcast is so helpful, too, because we can tell our stories. Like, you're giving me a voice to tell my story. Yes, I'm an Asian-American who's been on television, but I'm also from Hawaii. And I've also had this, like, wild, crazy dance career, but I'm also, like, this judge on ABC, which is very family-friendly. And, like, right. you know, I think it's, it's important to hear the stories and the levels of diversity within our own selves and yes. share that with people as well, right? No, but I am true. happy. We are, we are making progress. I see more and more Asians everywhere. I see more and more um, AAPIs, Pacific Islanders, and mm -hmm. all sorts of people everywhere. I'm beginning mm -hmm. to see what looks like the real world on television. Yeah. 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 It's silly when networks or movies or w whatever it is doesn't represent what the real world looks like. As gay men, Tony and I are constantly talking about how the fact that like we grew up and we didn't see gay representation mm -hmm. on television. Or and, gay Latin representation. Yeah, yeah. and, and how, right. how like important it is to sort of, I'm so happy for the younger generation now because there is so many, like you hear stories of people, you know, young kids coming out at 10, 12 years old, like they know who they are. And I'm like, oh my God, that's phenomenal to that they are knowing themselves that much. I agree. I mean, look at Jojo Siwa on Dancing with yeah. the Stars. Yeah. I mean, just yes. really paving a pathway. And I think she's, she is and she isn't, right? Because actually right. people have been paving their own pathways in their own life for many years. And what's just great is now networks are starting to understand that people like to see themselves on TV. It makes, mm -hmm. that's what makes them tune in. And so I think the networks are really starting to understand that people want to see the real life stories mm -hmm. of people yeah. out there. What's really yeah, happening? Yeah, I, I have to shout out at ABC because you know when Ugly Betty came on, I, mm -hmm. I it, it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, oh my god, I wish I'd had this when I was a kid. I I needed this, you know, and 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 here we are. I get it. I know, me too. Like I had Pat Morita to look up to right yeah. from Happy Days, and that's it. I'm like, who else looks like an Asian person on TV? There's only Pat Morita. Yeah. <laughs> So you brought up Dancing with the Stars. That's a perfect segue because we were gonna we were gonna talk about that. Um, bef before anything else, I, I have to a personal note. My mom got me into watching Dancing with the Stars. It was a way for me and her to bond. As since we didn't live in the same city, so we'd always whenever we'd be able to talk to each other, we'd be like, "Oh, did you watch Dancing with the Stars?" Aww. So of course, when I went to LA a couple years ago, I made sure that I attended a taping in person. There were two seats behind you. And they grabbed me and one other guy and they put us behind you. And I was like, oh my God, we, I, my mom's going to see me sitting behind Carrie and Anaba. This is so exciting. 
<laughs> and then we got pulled because your friends showed up who were running late, and we we got positioned all the way in the back. And I was like, oh. Damn it. Damn it. I'm so sorry. I knew I was like, this is too good to be true. I'm like, Karen, I'm like, there's no way we're sitting behind directly behind Karen and not about the whole show. And we didn't, but, um, Oh, I'm so sorry. My friends, they, Oh, how rude of them to show up late. First of all, but then also to take your seats. That's not okay. That is not okay. But I, I have to say being able to watch that show done live, I was amazed at the artistry and technique that's on display, not with just the dancers, but with the, the crew and all of the judges and what, like everyone working on that show shot live as it's happening. I was like, this is a circus and so <laughs> much is going on. Um, you're such a great energy on the show. I think at least once an episode, I end up crying because of how emotional all of the dancers' stories are. And like, I sometimes I see you cry, and yes. that makes me cry. Yes. Um, how did Dancing with the Stars come into your life? Oh, wow. Dancing with the Stars came into my life. I was actually trying to make the switch from a choreographer. I was doing a lot of reality shows and um, being the on-camera choreographer and moving into producing. Mm. So I told my agent, hey, if you see anything like, like that maybe I could produce on, would you submit me? And so they submitted me, but somehow I got confused and I ended up going in and then they were asking me to audition for a judge. Uh-huh. And what was so cool about this opportunity was that the auditioning process for the judge's role went on for quite a while. It was like a good two weeks and they saw pretty much every choreographer in Los Angeles. And it was so much fun because we were all waiting outside together. We were all laughing together. And we all got to in, like, they would, you know, pair different people up with each other. Uh-huh. And um, it was just so much fun to like work with your friends that way. And it was this weird random show. They're like ballroom dancing. And they showed us video clips from the UK version of the show, Strictly Come Dancing and, or Strictly Ballroom, no, Strictly Come Dancing. And um, we're like, what is this show? But let's just play it. Cause we didn't really take it that seriously. Cause how could you at the time, right? Yeah, We'd yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. ballroom dancing. But you know what? The moment it it aired and they paired me with Bruno and Len, there was just, and Tom Bergeron as our host back then, there was something so special about watching people do this foreign dance style of Latin and ballroom, right? Mm-hmm. And the incredible professionals that we had that used to be this, or that were the celeb partners, right? The pros are were incredible. Mm-hmm. Now we've kind of moved into more broader dancing, but back yeah. then it was just, it was amazing, so it was an amazing opportunity and I, I love it. And our show is live every week. And I think people forget that. And like you yeah. said, it's like putting on the girly show mm-hmm. every night, you know, yeah. and it's the same kind of thing behind the scenes on the tour. They put that set up and then they rip it down the next day. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. You all famously went live during COVID before there were even vaccines. What was it like to do that show during COVID and without a live audience? Cause I'm sure it's, better having an audience than without. I have to say it was hard. The performance going from performing to an auditorium filled with people, and you know the energy you were there yourself. It it was magical, but then suddenly it was like performing to a cavern. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was scary. I have to say it was scary because it was, you know, before the vaccine and we didn't quite know what we were doing. We didn't know if Distance was enough to keep us safe, Mm -hmm. but we had great COVID officers, Niha, she's amazing, and they kept us safe. And I felt honored to be a part of bringing people back to Mm -hmm. TV and giving people joy because we went through a really rough time before that as a country, as a world, you know, just all locked down, all uncertain of our own future, losing people left and right, this, Mm -hmm. this uncertainty 
I think I'm proud that Dancing with the Stars dared to come back on, even without an audience. And yeah. um, this year we have a half audience. Yes. So hopefully next Stand, year. A standing room only audience. We have a standing room only audience upstairs. And I'm grateful for them. And I'm grateful to our team who were able to figure out a way to bring us back. Yeah, I think it works really well. Does, so does Bruno make you laugh constantly throughout that show? Yes, Bruno. <laughs> I love that, Bruno. Bruno is like my brother. Bruno is like when I was on tour with Madonna, Luca was my brother, right? Like uh-huh. Luca and I had this very special bond. And Bruno is my special bond here at Dancing with the Stars. We just, I go to his house. He cooks me dinner all the time. He makes me laugh. <laughs> Do they still commute, Bruno and Len, from the UK? No, both of them left the UK show to just do our show. And then last year, Len didn't do our show, right? So he took a little hiatus, but now he's back. And he's in rare form. (laughs) Yes, yes, he is. Uh, I love him. I'm curious, how do you, do you get to pick who you sit next to? Or were they just like, Carrie Ann, you're sitting next to Len? I have always sat at the end. And it's a point of contention. Because I'm like, you guys, this is the only show where the woman is on the end. Come on. Where are your manners? Mm-hmm. The Brits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned JoJo. as uh, She's on the yes. show. And she's yes. the first same-sex couple to dance on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Mm- I thought it was interesting. So Madonna had same-sex couples dancing together on stage back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that Dancing with the Stars has finally caught up. And I, I'm curious, like, do we think we'll ever see two men dancing together on Dancing with the Stars? I'm sure we will. I'm sure yeah. we will at this point. And I was shocked and surprised and kind of, like, impressed that the first same-sex couple was two females. I was actually yeah. shocked. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure we would go with two men for our very first same-sex couple. Right. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see it. I'm, we, like, it's I, just I thought, a matter of time. Uh, when I saw Johnny Weir on, I was like, oh, it's going to be Johnny. Johnny's totally going to dance. He's going he's gonna to twist too. their arm and he's going to make sure that he And I was surprised, but yeah. I was surprised uh, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's coming. Uh, so I know you yeah. can't show favorites on, on the people who, you know, come into the show in previous seasons, you must see people dance and know right away they're going to be in the finals. Well, actually, no, you never know who's going to be in the finals because there's something interesting about our show is that, and we're the only show that does this and people sometimes forget dancing with the stars, the judges vote. We actually score. We don't just Mm -hmm. give commentary. All the other shows, they just give commentary. Maybe they choose them for their own team. Um, And then the audience votes, right? Mm -hmm. And so we never know what the audience vote is. And the audience can vote with their heart, which has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the quality of their dance, yeah. right. right? And that's what makes the show, I think, always a perfect match, is we need the audience to vote with their heart because mm-hmm. the world needs more of that, you know? Like, yeah. I'm rooting for this person. It makes people feel like they can make a difference in somebody's life, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? They, they root for the underdog. Like, last year, an under, or was it two years ago, an underdog did really well, Bobby Bones. Yes, mm-hmm who not dancer, still not a dancer, (laughs) (laughs) but had an amazing journey and people loved him. Yeah. Like for example, this season, you know, I love Beverly Hills 90210 and I thought, Oh, Brian Austin Green's going to be on it with his sweet David Silver moves. He's going to win this thing Mm -hmm. hands down. Yeah. Guess not. You know, so I know you never never know. know. Yeah, same thing Mel C. Mel C getting voted off. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> that was a bit frustrating. Yeah. And now that we have the the new rule where poor Len, and listen, poor Len, I would never, it's a horrible position that he has to be put in every week. 
if we don't actually give a unanimous vote of three votes, then Len has to make the decision. And the tiebreaker. It's, yeah. it's kind of brutal. It's, it's like, not pick your, fair. Pick your favorite child, mm. you know? Yes. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable, but he's tough. He can handle it. He's head judge. So I have a hypothetical for you. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking of Luca doing the oh. tango with Madonna in yes. Evita, and I really love their fancy footwork together. So how do you think Madonna would do if she was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars, especially <laughs> if she like the tango or the paso doble or something? Okay, I think Madonna would be amazing in the tango, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I think she would also be amazing in the paso. I mm-hmm. also think she'd be great in the cha-cha. Yeah. Right? yeah, I think she could. Oh, yeah, she, the, yeah. the, the thing about Madonna is she's such a chameleon, and that mm-hmm. is part of what the show is. People forget, like you have to learn each style of dancing. They're all very different. The only one dance style I can't see Madonna doing is the jitterbug. I don't know why. I just don't mm. see Madonna doing the jitterbug. Well, she did it in, in a League of Their Own. A League of Their Own, right? With uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And that's well, so, that's why one of the reasons Penny Marshall hired her. She said, and she can jitterbug. <laughs> did she really? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, I, I have to watch that again. I don't remember seeing yeah. that part. Yeah. So, so I guess we'll have to, uh, yeah, I guess just put it out into the universe. You know. But look, Madonna it, would be amazing on Dance mm-hmm. with the Stars, and yeah. I love because she would answer back to Len. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, our, so the, you know, this is you know also hypothetical. So because you know Madonna has to be in control of everything she does. Mm-hmm. Would she be able to collaborate with the choreographer, with the choreographer mm-hmm. or, or is it just the choreographer sets down the rules? Well, I think more and more it's become more collaborative because uh-huh. mm-hmm. I think when you're the star and you're competing and it's your name at stake, you want to have mm-hmm. a little say. But if they're smart, they would listen to the pros because the yeah. pros, I, I mean, look, our ballroom Latin pros are untouchable. Oh, yeah. They're phenomenal dancers. Yes, they're phenomenal. What they do, plus they have to be the coach. I mean, they are the unsung heroes of our show. They work so hard. They choreograph. I think they also provide um, therapy sessions (laughs) for their partners. It's quite quite an emotional journey. And right now, we're at the phase where everybody's kind of realizing, oh, my God, this is real. And this Uh is hard. And I could lose. And it gets really serious right about now. So I love all of our pros and kudos to them. And you know Madonna would kill it if she was Mm -hmm. on Dancing with the Stars. I want her to guest uh, judge. That would be, yeah. I'd love her I on the show in some way, shape, or form. I just want her get to her perform. Just mm-hmm. perform. Oh my God, give us a little man of X. Yeah. Just a little. So we had former contestant Juan Pablo de Pache <gasps> on, the, on the podcast last season. Juan Pablo. Who is also a Madonna fan. And he mentioned that he never got to chat, uh, a chance to chat Madonna with you. Do, uh, do contestants no. ever come up to you and talk Madonna or your days in Madonna dancing? Or fly girl dancing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? We don't actually get to talk to the contestants. That's probably oh, why. Yeah. yeah, at all. Like our, our trailers are on the opposite side of the whole studio lot and their trailers are way across here and this is the, the studio. We never have interactions with them. Oh, I see. It's just like court. It is. (laughs) There's standards and practices, and it's a big deal. Like, we are not allowed in the auditorium before 5 o'clock, which is when the show goes live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good for people to know, because every now and then I'll watch it and be like, oh, that's one of Len's favorites, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, we don't get to talk to them. I wish we could talk to them. It's kind of weird, because now Amanda Klutz, who was my fellow co-host on the talk when I was still on Uh it, it's like, it's so weird, because I'm like... (laughs) 
Like I just mouth words to like, how are you? Like, you know? right. Yeah, just so we don't talk. And I think it's good that way because you can't get attached to them. We have to stay unbiased. You know, we yeah. have sure, to stay sure. neutral. That so. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you have been very open and honest about your struggle with catching COVID and the long mm-hmm. recovery process that you endured. Uh, you recently started Carry On Conversations, which as we mentioned at the, to- at the top of the show, it's an online wellness magazine that mm-hmm. aims to help readers live a happier, healthier, and more evolved life. Tell us, what has this journey meant for you? How, I mean, it's it's not been an easy road, I assume. No. I mean, my health struggles are, they've been difficult, you know, and especially this year, I think everybody can relate more and maybe more mm-hmm. people are, what I love about what's happened this year, despite the loss and all of the extreme duress that we've all been under and the sadness that we've all endured and the loneliness and depression and everything that we've all endured. Um, the blessing is that people are really starting to look at their health. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with me. So I caught COVID in December. It was brutal. I already have lupus. I have Sjogren's syndrome. I have fibromyalgia. I have a lot of issues. I have spinal stenosis. I'm always mm-hmm. in pain. I carry pain with me every day, all day long. I'm always in a state of fatigue all day long. The last year of being in COVID and doing the talk from home and all the pressure and being a dancer, which is, you've spoken to a lot of dancers, I'm sure we're overachievers, right? Yeah. We are just like the type A, 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 right? That want to do it. And we give anything we do, we give with our whole body and soul because as a dancer, that's how we perform. So mm-hmm. even when I'm typing, I'm like typing, you know, like everything <laughs> I do is full out. So, so last year, all of that was hard. Then when I caught COVID on top, it just broke my system. Yeah. And, um, the recovery has been hard. I just recently got my smell back and it's probably only still 90%. That was the weirdest part of smelling all these strange smells. And they say that the part of your brain that uh, registers scent and smelling is also can also lead to depression when you mm-hmm. can't smell. Mm-hmm. And for me, as a sensual person who feels everything and touches everything, it was really hard to feel so disconnected. So yeah. there was it was hard. So I had an emotional journey for my brain health. I don't want to say mental health because that's got a stigma attached to it, but my brain health, my brain was damaged. And so it's been a process and I've worked with some incredible doctors. I had seven MRIs uh, in like a month. It was ridiculous. And I've been working with this great doctor, Dr. Amen, who's been helping me so much. And he's taught me to look at my body in a different way. As a dancer, we often abuse our bodies. Yeah, You know, when you're on tour and there's nobody else to come down that pole for you and you get sick, Mm -hmm. you just, you you do it. You know, you get steroids and you get up on that pole and you do it and you're excited to do it because all a dancer wants is a place to perform. Right. So nobody's like pushing us to do it. It's our own free will. We're di- I mean, I'm performing with Madonna, whatever you need to do, get me out there. Right. right, right. And I think those years of that kind of um, work mentality have cost me now as an older woman at 53, I feel it. But um, one of the ways that I've been, I have found to heal is to help other people. And I'm sure you guys know that because that's what you're doing with this podcast, right? It's like, it's a way to give back. It's a way to connect to others. And so Carry On Conversations is all about me sharing my struggles and stories and maybe something resonates with somebody because we're all just struggling. We're all trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to live a decent life. None of us know how to do it, right? right? The only way we learn is when we have conversations like this. That's Mm -hmm. why it's called Carry On Conversations. Exactly. And sharing this process, you are touching so many people, you know, who can just relate to maybe not all of it, but... We, we all have a, a common ground, you know? Yes. And, and this is very appreciated. Thank you. No, thank you for giving me a platform to share it because it's <laughs> it's important. Like even last week with the weather changing, we talked about the weather earlier. Mm-hmm. The weather changed in LA. I was down in bed for two days after yeah. we had the Disney and villain night, two nights mm-hmm. of Dance with the Stars. I was like, 
<laughs> I mean, because it's basically like doing um, a concert tour, yeah. right? Yeah. Your Live. adrenaline works adrenaline. the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next day you're like this, oh, Bruno and I called each other. We're like, oh, how are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wrecked. And did you feel that working with Madonna helped elevate your choreography in any way? Um, working with Madonna helped elevate my whole career because her work ethic is unmatched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are or how hard you work. You don't work as hard as Madonna. And uh-huh. you're definitely not always thinking about what's coming next. And she has that magical gift of sort of knowing where to go. And mm-hmm. she sets the trends, right? Mm. She's so ahead. She's Most people that are like good in our business, they're like five years ahead of their time. She's more like 10 to 15 years, 10 to 12 years ahead of whatever is coming, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, I always feel for her because I would imagine it's kind of lonely sometimes to be so far yeah. ahead and know everything that's coming and show it and share it with the world. And then 10 years later, everybody's doing it. Yeah. Did right? you get a chance to see her most recent show, Madame X? Yes, I watched part of it. I haven't been able to finish watching it, uh-huh. but I love it. Mm-hmm. I, the, it's so powerful the way it starts. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about wanting to make a statement. She's always making powerful statements. She makes you think whether you know it or not. You think yeah. you're being entertained, but you're actually being educated. So you want to ask her about In Living Color? Sorry, we, we wanted to make sure we got to Madonna, but uh, we do want to go back, go back in time a little bit and just ask a little bit about In Living sure. Color. Oh, listen, uh, I can't forget seeing Rosie Perez dancing and do the right thing and thinking who who what when where and why you know and then cut to a year later and in living color premieres and they're like rose uh rosie perez is the choreographer of these girls Mm -hmm. and there was that dancing again how how did you how did you score that audition and and tell us (laughs) about her okay rosie's amazing but actually this is little known but there was another choreographer named Carla Earl who was actually the original choreographer of In Living Color when we first mm. started. And she came more from a jazz background, more the world uh-huh. that I was training in. Um, but I have a street background because in Hawaii, I used to go to the clubs and that's really where I got my like chops yeah. from. Mm. And um, we debuted with Carla and then they brought in Rosie because they wanted more of a real street dirty vibe. They wanted a dirty yeah. street vibe. And she brought it with her assistant, Arthur Rayner. And um, what was interesting is because Carla... Um, Rosie had no dance training. Zero. Zero. She no, didn't even... No, instinct. zero. Instinct. Yeah. Instinct. And she didn't know how to count to eight. And all dancers, <laughs> we count to eight, we count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. She'd go, one, two, go! We'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, five, six, seven, eight. So it was actually a really fun experience because I was kind of like the unofficial dance captain. And so I would work with her a lot. Mm-hmm. And we... I just... I love her because she didn't know what she was doing. But in a way, because she had no rules, like Madonna, she just mm-hmm. kind of did whatever she wanted. She would come up with camera angles that we never saw. She would yeah. like, we're going to cut from here to here. Well, I don't care. That doesn't feel good. We're going to do this and that. And we'd be like, Rosie, what is that step? She goes, I don't care. Just do it. <laughs> and it was awesome because it was then the street, the flag girls had their own signature style, which was kind yeah. of street jazz, right? Mm-hmm. And I really loved that. And it, that was so much fun to be a flag girl. We would work, work until like four in the morning, though, because... They'd always tape all the comedy bits first, and then we'd go last, and we'd be like, "Of Sleep course, <laughs> no." And you, you guys hit it so hard. I mean, I, I would watch that, you know. And I remember my brother and I would always try to, like, you know, imitate uh, MC Hammer moves, you know. And I, I love like, it. I can't 
I can't understand how fast they're going and, and <laughs> how, are, how are they doing this? <laughs> I but love you, that you say how fast because we were dancing very fast. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what you did? You brought club and hip-hop dancing to primetime television. Yeah. I only saw it on Video Soul on BET before you guys came out and, and you kind of inspired a whole generation of like, you know, suburban kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was really fun. I mean, I really loved being a fly girl. It was, a, it was yeah. um, it meant a lot. And I also learned how to be a part of a girl community, like a multiracial girl community, which was the fly girls. And I think that that led me to be able to do the talk because I always felt like the talk was so similar to being a fly girl. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like me with an, uh, four other women of different backgrounds, kind of just creating moments for people to watch and enjoy and learn from. Yeah. Just a little slower. Just, a, yeah. yeah. Not as quick. Because Rosie would be like, and do 20 of these, and 20, and then drop, and then get up, and then do 17 of these. And we'd be like, okay. <laughs> and you have 10 seconds to do that. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I'm the resident film geek here, so I have I to it. ask you about Austin Powers and also Showgirls with Kevin Stay, our other friend oh, of the podcast. And then Kevin. And then finally. Yesterday, yes, yes. And finally, Lord of Illusions with Sebastian and Luca Tomasini. Choreographed by Alex Magno. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, where do you want to start? That's a lot. I mean, Austin Powers, let's go there. I mean, even though, I mean, that it doesn't, it didn't age well. Let's just say that, you know? <laughs> what? I know, I can't really go around saying, fuck you anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although I still do. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, but you know what? I Look, the truth is, I grew up in Hawaii. Yeah. And we're talking about the character Fukyu, which was a made up Asian character because it wasn't, they, they made them look like they were Japanese Harajuku girls kind of. Exactly. Yeah. But oh, the right. Fuk is more like a Korean sounding name. And so it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a, just a mishmash, mish, mishmash, which happens a lot when mm-hmm. you're kind of doing representation at the beginning. They kind of don't always get it right, but that's exactly. okay. What I did love about it was that it was all in fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I mean, I may be, may get in trouble for playing that role, but I don't mm-hmm. regret it because I thought it was fun and it gave, look, I don't know how many other Asian characters there were um, in Austin power films that had mm-hmm. names that you remembered. Uh, so exactly. at least it put us on the map. Yeah. And then from mm-hmm. there, look, education takes time. You have to kind of show people, maybe you don't get it right the first time and then you get it right. But I'm happy they got it the way they did because I had the greatest time. In fact, when we auditioned me and my friend, Diane Mazota, people used to say we looked a lot alike when we would go to auditions and, um, we did this little like Bruce Lee karate number to, to get the part. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the dance part that got me the job because the dancing made us look more like twins because mm-hmm. we choreographed it in a way. Right. And so dance has always been sort of like my baseline. And that's what got me that role in that film as well. Carrie, was that the same choreographer from Showgirls, Marguerite Pomeran Derricks? That's Marguerite, my girl. She's like one yeah. of my best friends and oh, she comes oh, nice. over here. Yeah. We, she lives well, near me. And so we have like, afternoons where we just sit we walk the dogs she helps me walk my dogs sometimes when I'm not feeling well and she comes over and she's such an amazing person now she's doing marvelous Miss Maisel Mrs. Maisel she's love that incredible. show I actually so I, did, I, I did background work on Mrs. Maisel this past <gasps> this past season I can't say anything okay of yes an, of an NDA but let me tell you it's good it's really really good oh I can't wait you tell Marguerite that I love her work. I'm also speaking about striptease. I mean, there's some good dancing in there, too. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So what was it like on Showgirls? I mean, you were no stranger to dancing. Okay, this is oh, another... Oh, natural. <laughs> Correct. I, I had already <laughs> shown my tatas. I had shown my tatas. But okay, so this is crazy. You're not going to... this. You know, when I tell my story, it doesn't sound real. Like, some of this stuff, I'm like, did that really happen? Okay. I love it. So I auditioned for Showgirls. 
and I was actually cast in the role of Sunny. Oh, right. But when I first auditioned, I was auditioning for um, Elizabeth Berkeley's part. Yeah, for no uh, right. But what's crazy is when I went in, they were like, "We're talking to Madonna about being Gina Gershon's role." Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. they're, they're like, because I think they had seen the girly show. So that job, I think, got me in to see Showgirls because they're like, "We want you and Madonna." That's kind of like uh, one of the pairings we're thinking, and I'm like, "What? Oh my god, dream, dream role!" Yeah, I got chills just thinking of that. We need know? a yeah. reboot. We need a reboot, <laughs> right? Because it's kind of like, um, um, like bye bye baby, that kind of love hate yeah. relationship that they had, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that was kind of awesome. But obviously, I didn't get that role, and then I got the role of Sunny. But then eventually, I left that job in the middle because it was mayhem. If you've talked to Kevin Stay, people yeah, were falling yeah. through the stage. There was, I mean, it was a. A memorable film, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was a bit chaotic, and um, the they didn't quite understand what dancers' needs are, which often is the case, and so they yeah, created yeah. this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful set, but wasn't safe for the dancers, and dancers were actually falling through the set. It was kind of crazy and got hurt, and mm-hmm. so after a few days of that, um, and since I was cast as the dancer first before they gave me my speaking roles, I just left before before we started our speaking roles. And that was a point of contention as well. I, I fight for rights for dancers. I always have. Yeah. And um, I was like, you know, it's really not fair that if you'd cast an actress to play my role, you would have had to hire her as an actress from day one, even including mm-hmm. the dancing parts. Mm-hmm. But you're taking advantage of me because I'm a dancer. You're going to let me do all the dancing parts first and then upgrade me for the last couple of days for the acting. Right, right. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave. And they were like, I actually heard these words. We're going to blackball you. Hmm. And I was oh, like, I looks like what? it worked. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love you so much. Yeah, and I was like, um, you don't need to blackball me. I'm just a, a, like a little dancer. Like, what are you worried about? Like, don't worry right. about it. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, it was and, and those guys really haven't been working in the United States anyway, so it's. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an amazing experience, and that's yeah. also historical. Absolutely. No, I, I'm one of the, the few people that loves Lord of Illusions, and I love <gasps> the set pieces. The nightclub scenes are so beautiful. And when I found out that it was you and Luca and Sebastian, I was like, oh, my God, all my worlds come together in this one scene. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie, The, the Unitards. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll always remember that one. The unit. The first time I had to wear a unitard and something. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Every time someone comes on the show that's associated with Lord of Illusions, I plug it because I want people to go out there and see it. You know. <laughs> it was. It was a really good movie. It's kind of dark and yeah. sexy, right? Super dark yes. and sexy. Yes. And it was awesome to be able to work with my friends like that. Like to yeah. be able to work mm-hmm. with Luca Tomasini, who I love dearly, um, and Sebastian and Alex. It was just, and Lori. I think it was Lori Kenyak was there as well. And it yeah. was really fun. Yeah. Um, so we read the new interview with you that was just published in M Citizen magazine. Oh, thank you, you mentioned that you're working on two shows. Is there something you can tell us anything mm. about or uh, what other upcoming one is that? I'm so close to being able to tell. Can I come back uh, and then tell you another course. time? Yeah. Do we get to come back ever? Yes, yeah. of course. That, we, we, when you can come back is when we designate you a friend of the podcast. So you, you're already <laughs> you're already part of that that group. Yeah, yeah. Yay! I get to be a friend. Thank yes, you so of much. Course, of course. <laughs> yes, no, because I um I have been developing some shows after I oh, left nice. the talk this year, and I've had some time. And there, I can tell you this: one show is about helping people, mm, and the okay. other show is super dark and like a live show, a live Ooh. stage show. Because I'm missing the Madonna influence in my life. So that's what's going to happen. And as soon as I can tell you more, I will. Watch this space. Yeah. No, I mean, (laughs) we... 
everyone we've spoken to that knows you well, like, you know, Sebastian, Luca, Alex, you know, and even Carlton, they all say in the, you know, if you listen to the episodes, they all say at one point, you got to talk to Carrie. You have to talk to Carrie about this. (laughs) (laughs) I love those guys. So I'm really happy that we're able to get your take on all these stories. Yeah. Thank you. You guys have been so amazing. And thank you for being patient with me because I know last week oh, it wasn't able to. So. I mean, it's Carrie Ann and Abba. What are you going to do? <laughs> I love you. Stefan, I think it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. I think so. So Carrie Ann, uh, everyone gets this as a guest on our show. We do a little thing called the lightning round, which is just love needs it. to be quick off the top of your head answers. It's okay. All Madonna. It's on Madonna, so it's, it should be pretty easy. Favorite Madonna song? Oh, crazy for you. Nice. Uh, favorite Madonna video? Oh, Frozen. Mm. Favorite Madonna tour, and it doesn't have to be the one you worked on? Uh, girly show. <laughs> it is, I mean, though, because it, I loved it. it. Be. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite Madonna look, and it can be from a tour, a video, a magazine shoot, in person? Oh, wow. You know what? I loved her in the whole sex book. That whole look, mm. that whole vibe was just untouchable. Yeah, and we are actually, I think, the, we're recording on the day of the 29th anniversary of the release of the sex book. Oh, oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah, That's know, awesome. It's cra- it's, we were all, what, one year old when, when that uh, came out? Yes, we were all out? just barely babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carrie Ann, before we go, tell everyone where they can find you on social. Oh, at Carrie Ann Inaba. Right? And is that on, is that where? Is that, yeah, on, on, right. <laughs> and on my, my website. You can come to my website too: www.carrieanconversations.com, carrieanninaba.com, or on Instagram at carrieanninaba. It's all just my name. Yeah. yeah. You guys seriously check out Carrie Ann Conversations. It, you know, even if you can't relate you. to it, there's someone in your life that will, and you know, just pass it forward. I'm learning from it. I'm thank you for. I, I like. I, I listen to your stories, and I'm like, oh. I'm going to try that. Or, yeah. you know, oh, that looks tasty. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some of that. You know? Thank you. I, I, I see a self-help book in your future. Let's mm-hmm. just put that out to the universe. Put it okay? out there. Thank you. We're, there's, there's been book talk, but we'll see. I want to do nice. shows first. So yeah. thank you, guys. You guys have been amazing. Thanks for having me, and thanks for well, celebrating thanks, Madonna. You, this means so much to, to me and Stefan, so we're very happy that we actually got to speak with you and ask you all these questions that all of our fans want to know the answers to. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think it I've fallen wonderful. in love with both of you. I love <laughs> oh, you both. Thanks. And thank next you time so we're out in L.A., we'll definitely try and come Absolutely. to the show. Please do. Yeah. Please do. I would love well, it. Everyone, and then I won't let my guests take your seat. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Okay. <laughs> well, everyone, that's our season finale. Yay. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter Yay. at MLBC Podcast. Give us a five-star review, like, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your fellow Madonna friends or turn someone on to Madonna if yeah. they don't know who she is. You can also donate to the podcast at Venmo at MLBC Podcast and become a subscriber of our patron program, patron.podbean.com forward slash MLBC podcast yes and carrie Ann, thanks so much again for joining us mahalo mahalo thank you guys i love you all right until next time get out there and do your thing see ya